Our scripture this morning is found in the book of Acts. We'll be reading three passages from chapter 8 and then 19 passages from chapter 9. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him and said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come to him and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. This is our word of the Lord for today. We thank God for it. And as we move into the message today, uh, we make a transition from learning about the Apostle Peter. Now we move to the Apostle Paul. And there's a big difference between these two men. Peter was a man who walked with Jesus while he was still on the earth. He was his disciple. He knew him face to face. He was part of his ministry, whereas Paul was a person who was an enemy of Christ, a person who wanted nothing to do with Jesus, and, had, and as Mike will explain to us soon, a person who saw his mission in life was to destroy the ministry of Jesus. And yet, here today, we read a story in our scripture of what can happen when Jesus gets hold of you, no matter who you are. Indeed, as we'll see as we study Paul, When God gets a hold of you, anything is possible. 
Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you today that as we have learned about Peter and have grown in our faith because of that, Lord, as we make this transition to learning about Paul, God, I believe there are those in this room who need to know that you can use anybody just like you used Paul. We pray, Lord, for our pastor as he comes that you would bless his words, Lord, that you would enable him to speak truth today, truth that comes from you, truth that has the ability to change anybody. Lord, give Mike the words to speak and give your church today the ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Keith. A couple of prefatory comments uh, before the sermon. I uh, look over my colleagues that are now joining us. Welcome to the adult world, uh, Alex, Deanna, and Doug. We're glad to have you aboard. Uh, each one of you were in my confirmation classes. I remember it well. Loved you then, love you now, and are here for you always, as is our whole church. Um, congratulations on your graduations. Um, also want to say this, Mike Ransom mentioned earlier about our staff retreat. I got to tell you that um, you have a church staff that's probably about as good as any that are assembled in the nearby area. Uh, fantastic worshipers, fantastic leaders, uh, people that are pursuing God's own heart and they desire to lead you to the same things in the various and sundry tasks that they do here at the church. Um, I will say this, that everyone on this team is endeavoring for that great day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we're grateful to be on that journey with you and we will endeavor to persevere on it. We are looking at the Apostle Paul and let me start simply by saying this, for this is your sermon today. He was trying to do the right thing. He, he truly was. I met Jeff downstairs in our basement a handful of years ago. He was a size 15 neck, and he was wearing a white size 17 neck uh, button-down shirt. He had a tie. It was just kind of hanging on him. He had a wife and two small children in tow, and he came up, and he said, Are you pastor? It was coffee time at the church. I said, I'm pastor, and he says, My name is Jeff. I just got out of prison. We need some help. I, of course, thought, like sometimes that happens into our door, that he wanted money, that he wanted a place to live, that he wanted gas or something like that, but that's not the help Jeff wanted. He says, I need help, man. I just got out of prison. I don't want to go back again. I have this wife. I have these two children. I've made a, le a mess of my life. And I said, Jeff, join us at worship. He joined us at worship. Sometimes he'd come to worship twice on a Sunday morning. He got involved in Bible studies, got involved in some of our classes, made sure his children and his wife were coming along with us, him. And for about six months, Jeff was here every single week. Some of you are smiling because you know Jeff. Jeff was here every single week for about six months. And then we started to see a little less of Jeff and then not so much of Brandy and the boys. And then Jeff was kind of gone altogether. My phone calls to his apartment, to his home, went unanswered. Answering machine messaged that we'd be left, but I would get no response. You see, left to his own devices, without constant contact with God and the community of faith, Jeff fell back into his old love relationship, his love relationship with crack cocaine. Jeff became an addict again, dropped about 40 pounds. And one day at the Marion Hy-Vee, 
He was walking through that deli area that many of you have been at. Saw a woman and she had the purse on her table, but unfortunately for him, it was also attached to her arm. He took her purse, but since it was on her person, that was assault with force. Jeff was apprehended, trying to steal $40 for his crack cocaine habit. And back to prison, Jeff went. You know, the Apostle Paul, that was earlier named Saul, was trying to do the right thing too. He was a very religious man. He was a Pharisee of the first rate. He studied the Scriptures day after day. He knew quite a handful of lectures, and his efforts and his intentions were very sincere. And when the Christian movement rose up, when Jesus came into Jerusalem and was preaching, when that whole movement happened and Christians after his death and resurrection began to rise up and little house churches were forming here and there and Christian teaching was being done outside the temple walls, this disrupted Paul in a great way. He was furious. And so alongside those that were persecuting the Christian church came Paul. And when that disciple Stephen got up and gave the speech, when he talked about how each one of them needed to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, he cheered alongside the elders of the synagogue who desired to kill him. And as they picked up stones and began to throw them at Stephen, ultimately causing his death, there was Saul holding the coats, nodding approvingly, and cheering that killing on enthusiastically. You see, Paul thought he was doing the right thing. He believed that the Christian movement was dangerous. He thought it would ruin Judaism. He thought it would take people away from their faith. So he hated Christians. He hated Christians in every bit of their teaching, and he persecuted them without mercy all around Jerusalem. He wanted to persecute them so much. He was so moved by the killing of Stephen, so moved by that event and how we could squash this Christian movement that he went to the elders of the synagogue. He went to the leaders of the Jewish world and was granted a letter at his request that he might go to Damascus, Syria, just a handful of miles down the road, gather up the Christians there, chain them together, and bring them back to Jerusalem punishment. He was so excited about this ministry because he thought he was doing the right thing. And so the way of Christ had no bigger enemy. There was no greater threat to the movement called as the way. For he had one goal and one goal only, destroy the church of Jesus. You see, he thought he was doing the right way, right thing. But it led to the wrong It's interesting how God can use our bad behavior for his purposes. Jeff found himself at the Lynn County Jail. Going to be eventually sentenced to about six and a half more months because he was a second offender. He was going to spend some real time in jail. He'd spent a year previous, but this violation of his parole took him to a six and a half month sentence. I remember when Jeff... Uh, recalled later to me he says you know one thing about time you know doing time one thing about doing time is that you have time time to think time to pursue your own mind time to look inside yourself richly and he says or said later I came to understand while I was doing time that I was not a bad man but that I was a man that had gone bad 
And then as Jeff tells the story, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he needed Jesus Christ. He knew that. He knew that that was only a solution because he tried everything else. He tried everything you can think of, including drugs, alcohol, particularly crack, cocaine. And so then as he recounts it, once he knew he needed Jesus Christ, he made the most important and what he would call the most embarrassing phone call of his life. Pastor Mike, can you come see me? I'm in jail. See, God can use our bad behavior for his purpose. God uses the Apostle Paul's persecution march for his own purpose. Paul was out to do a bad thing. His behavior was bad. He was trying to squash the Christian movement. But understand this. Look at your Bibles if you want to. In Matthew 28, Jesus' final command is what? To go and take his gospel to the corners of the earth, baptizing people in the name of Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spread the gospel to all the world. And when the persecution started in Jerusalem, what happened? The Christians fled. They did not flee their Christianity, though. They just fled the persecution. And so when they went out into Samaria, when they went out into Syria, when they went all across the Mediterranean area, what they did not leave was their faith. They held tight to their faith, and they began to preach and teach each other in these little house churches and communities all across the Middle East. They began to gather other disciples. People were being one for Christ, the gospel through this very bad behavior of the persecution of the church, was being taken to the corners of the earth. Bad things sometimes are used for God's purposes. And here's the Apostle Paul. Not yet an apostle. He's a bad man known as Saul. He's pursuing the church. He's coming down the, the, the road from, from Jerusalem to Damascus. He is in pursuit of destroying every church person he can find. He wants to latch them into handcuffs, drag them back down that 60-mile road into Jerusalem, and have them punished. And in the midst of that, now if you're a... He, he, you know, I got to tell you, he was not like Elmer Fudd, you know? He was not, I'm hunting rabbits. That's not the kind of hunting that the Apostle Paul was doing. He was going thinking murderous thoughts, thinking uh, horrible threats against these Christians. And right there on that Damascus road, with that in his heart, we experienced what I call in the Bible the first flashbang. Bam! There is such a bright light that it drops Paul's to his, Paul to his knees. He goes face down in the ground. He is struck blind. And he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the one you're persecuted. So here's Paul, now blind as a bat. The one who had planned to latch people together and drag them back hand in hand from Syria to Israel to be punished. The one who had planned to imprison many was now imprisoned with darkness, struck blind, and needed to be led like a little child by the hand to Damascus. God often uses our bad behavior for his purpose. As we look at the Apostle Paul, we also understand that God frees those who desire freedom. Jeff 
and I met down at the Lynn County Jail. I don't know how many of you have been there, probably lots of you, but on each floor there are these conference rooms. And what I mean is conference glass boxes. They are steel posts, and the walls are all glass. There are steel tables with plastic or steel chairs in there. It is the most austere situation you can imagine. It was in there that I took one of the Bibles from our pews, the old ones, not the ones we have now, down to Jeff in the, in, in the, in the jail. I put it in the middle of the table, and I flipped it open, and I began to read some passages to him about repent, repentance and restoration and forgiveness. He began to pray with me. He knew he wanted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And right there, right then, he received his forgiveness. He can tell you now, as he told me then, and he's told me hundreds of times since that moment, he knew that Jesus Christ had forgiven him and received him just as he was. He took him who he was, not to leave him as he was, but to change him, to make him a better man, a better husband, a better uh, employee, a better all of those kind of things. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, he received that. And then he did the most un prisoner-like thing, he began to weep in full view of everyone that walked outside. They didn't know why he was weeping, and they couldn't figure out why he was hugging this middle-aged bald guy. But he wept, and he cried, and he had snot running down the side of his face because he was so happy. He's in the middle of the jail. You understand what I'm saying? He's got 193 days that he's looking at. And incidentally, prisoners know. He's looking at 193 days and he is thrilled because he knows now he's been restored. He's got new life. He's got new opportunity to rebuild his life and his family because he knew what I know, what Paul knew is that God frees those who desire freedom. Paul, you see, there he was, blind as he could possibly be, in the home of a friend. But he was a good Pharisee. So when bad things happen to good Pharisees, what do they do? They pray. They fast. They don't drink things. And so there's Paul praying and he's been told in a vision that a, that a person would come to him and, and heal him. And God speaks to that person named Ananias. And he says, uh, Ananias. And Ananias says, yes, Lord. I want you to go put hands on Paul and on Saul because he has seen in a vision that you will be coming to heal him. And Ananias says, I don't want to go. I've heard about this dude. He's the one that came here to kill me, Right? He's the one here that came to get all my family. Lock us up in chains and take us back to Jerusalem. I'm not sure I want to help him. And God says, go. For I have chosen Paul as my instrument. He will bring my name and the name of my son Jesus to the kings of Israel, to the Gentiles, and to the ends of the earth. And Paul, at the hands of Ananias, Ananias, received God's spirit, was forgiven of all that he had done, was baptized, and given new life as the chosen instrument of God's mission in the world. God frees those who want freedom. And I'll tell you this, and this is important for us to understand. Because some of us have come down some roads that were not so favorable as had Paul and Jeff. 
God does not waste our past experiences. God doesn't waste our past experiences. See, Jeff's past experiences served the Lord. When he was in the Lynn County Jail, again, he had lots of time. When you're in jail, you don't go out on jobs. You don't, have, you don't work in a license plate factory. You're not in prison industries. You're in jail. You're doing time 24-7. You're simply doing time. And he used that time. He would sit at, at a table or he'd sit on his bunk and he'd simply had his Bible open and he'd read it. And of course, about for the first four or five weeks, you know, prisoners don't trust much. For the first four or five weeks that Jeff had his Bible open, people would just say, oh, you're just trying to keep from getting beat up. You're just, you know, a religious poser, blah, 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 blah. But after a while, they witnessed how Jeff was living in his life, how he would talk with other men, how he spoke with the guards. And day by day, people began to come to him, other inmates, for counsel and support and guidance. And yes, even in the middle of the jail situation, prayer. And when Jeff was released to what's called the Larry Nelson house, which is a halfway house over on the southwest side uh, of town, members of your church that came to the 11 o'clock service would bring Jeff every week because he called me and he said, hey, Mike, I'm free from 930 to 11 to 1230 every day. Free. You know, free to get in a car and come across town. Not with my spouse. That's against the rules. But can someone from the church, and I asked people in the church, that 11 o'clock service. And every week, Jeff would come to Sunday school, and then he'd sit right over there in those pews. And he'd sit there, you know, feeling a little bit like people didn't want to hang out with him or anything like that. But the longer he was in the Larry Nelson house, the more he began to talk with Jesus. And pretty soon, a second guy was coming with Jeff. And then a third guy was coming with Jeff as they served out their time in that Larry Nelson house. And he was convinced that it was his responsibility to touch their lives because of what God had done for his life. And he tells me, you know, he calls me still today. About once a week, I get an email or a call from, from Jeff, and he says this. He says, Pastor Mike, I'm not going to waste what's happened to me. And I'm not ever going to betray God, my church, or my family again. I'm not ever going to do any more drugs. I'm not ever going to do any of those things. I'm only going to do the good. And I tell you what, if you go to Dixon, Illinois today... You go ahead and look up Three Brothers Construction because in the middle of that Three Brothers with his other two brothers, there's Jeff Goddard pounding nails, building houses, restoring things every single day because just as he's been restored, he is restoring others this day. Praise God and thank the Lord. But God does not waste our, ex our experiences. Paul's past served his future. God, Paul's past served God's future that was yet to come. He used his training and education to advance the gospel. See, Paul knew all these languages. He knew all about law. He knew all about citizenship. He knew how to speak in just about any situation. Throw him in with a bunch of iron workers. Paul knew what to do. Throw him in with a bunch of lawyers. Paul knew how to speak with him. Put him in court. Paul knew how to speak with him. And he used all of his past, all of his education, all of even his Christian hunting to advance the gospel. And the Apostle Paul's conversion is central to Acts. Three times he retells it, or it's retold, to give other people hope. And he constantly and incessantly preaches this simple truth, that no one is beyond the power of God to reach them, to redeem them, and use them for his holy purposes. I mean, Paul is a minister, 
His story dominates the last two-thirds of the book of Acts. His writing accounts for 13 of the 27 New Testament books. He's a contemporary to Peter and Jesus' disciples. And he was a champion of some very simplistic things. Paul, over and over again, would preach that all people are acceptable to God. I preached this to Jeff Goddard. Listen to this. I'll have people come to me all the time and say, I, I don't know if I'm ready for the church. I don't, know if, I don't know if I'm good enough for Christ. I don't know if I can ever be forgiven for what I've done. I don't know if my habits are acceptable. I've been to the wrong places on the internet. I've been divorced a couple of times. I've had a, let me tell you this. Like I told that young man sitting in Lynn County Jail. Have you ever tried to ruin God's entire plan for the world? Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever stood by enthusiastically and clapped while a Christian was killed? Paul did. He did them both. And you know what he says to anyone that thinks they're not good enough for God? If I'm good enough for God, worst among all sinners, and God can use me, then he can use you too. Get over yourself. Come to Jesus. I'm sure of that. Another thing that Paul would clearly say is this, is that the right way to come to faith the right way to come to faith in Jesus is whatever way Jesus brings you. He was brought to faith as a, on a crash-bam moment out there on the Damascus Road. He had that flash-bang grenade go out by him. He went down to his, his knees. His face was covered with, with scales. His eyes were covered with scales. He couldn't see, and he was turned from going this way to that way. You and I know many friends that are like that. I've told you a story of one today. You probably know others. A lot of people go one way and they are turned 180 degrees and go the other way. But most people, many, many people, come to Christ by long periods of discernment and reading. And they slowly, degree by degree by degree, turn themselves into a Christian after years of discernment when they finally say, I'm here, Jesus lead me. The right way to come to Christ is whatever way he brings you to himself. And we must not limit God. Paul preaches a lot about the fact that we are always trying to limit God. Man, is that so clear in our generation today that we're out there all the time trying to limit God, taking the supernatural out of things, not willing to give God the possibility to do the impossible? You know, what could be more impossible seemingly in the world than turning the worst guy ever for our movement, the Christians, to one of the most beloved ever. We've got churches named after this guy. We've got seminaries named after this guy. And he was trying to kill us all. So, so, so we can't give up ever on anything. And Paul preaches often how all things are possible with God because if he could turn someone as impossible as me around, all things are possible and lastly, Paul preaches about this all the time. The lives that have been touched by God must be about the business with their lives of touching other lives for God. Now this is a little thumbnail, a brief sketch of Paul the minister. Pastor Keith and I in the next few weeks are going to be talking about his message. We're going to be talking about his mission. And we're going to be talking about our method, his method. But that's your primer for today. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God Almighty, before all things were, you knew us 
You spoke our name into creation, and here we come. And Lord, you desire us and call to us today. Give us the faith. Give us the strength. Give us the aspiration and inspiration to pursue you each day and allow our lives to be transformed by you so that we might become your soldiers in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.